Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the podcast. On this episode, I sat down with Shona Stevenson. Now, before we get going, just want to let you know this is about the 50th time that I've tried to do this take. I just can't seem to get the words out. So for a much more detailed introduction and a complete bio for Shona, look down in the description below and we'll keep it nice and brief right now. So Shona is an ultra endurance runner and ultra endurance is anything over the length of a marathon. But Shona has been super successful around the world, racing in the most prestigious events. And some of these are up to 100 miles or longer up and down snow-capped mountains, through rainforests and the bush. So the reason that I wanted to talk to her is because I've become super fascinated in ultra-endurance athletes lately. Just the physical aspect of it intrigues me, but even more so the mindset and the mental toughness that must happen to be able to keep pushing yourself over 100 miles up and down snow-capped mountains when every part of you just wants to quit. I feel like that after about 10 kilometers. Hearing from somebody who's super successful in that was really incredible. She also has two businesses. She's a PT and she's a running coach. And as well as that, she's also the co-founder and race director of the Brisbane Trail Ultra. The Brisbane Trail Ultra, which is a ultra endurance event just outside of Brisbane here up near Mount Cutha. And you can see that in the link description. It's something I really want to work my way up to. <laughs> so yeah, I just want to say a huge thank you to Shona for taking time out of her busy schedule to come and chat to us on the podcast. It really means the world to me. She has an incredibly inspiring story of how she got into running. And after our chat, I've actually started getting more and more into running because I was so inspired from talking to her. So that's enough from me. As I said, check out the description below. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation with Shona Stevenson, and I'll see you in the next one. Yeah, but I'm super excited to talk to you today. It's awesome. Thanks so much for taking oh, time out you. of your day to be on the podcast. It means the world to me. Oh, thank you. Um, thanks for asking. It's always very flattering to like, do you think or know that people want to hear from you, which is really nice. And I do like talking, so <laughs> that's, a, that's always a plus. <laughs> we can chat <laughs> Definitely. A trainer or a running coach is that you've got to like people you've got to be able to probably chat someone's ear off for an hour yeah. while they're hurting a lot <laughs> yeah definitely i guess it's very different to being being the runner where you can kind of be in your zone it's you and oh, yeah. you and the track you and the competition yeah. where you, i guess yeah, you probably uh, don't have to be as much of a people person but training people yeah it kind of helps <laughs> yeah it's almost um so when i hit the trails on my own it's um a bit more like a holiday yeah, mm. it's it's an absolute downtime, and for me to um, you know not have to think or not have to concentrate or focus on somebody else and somebody else's well-being and making sure they're not going to die <laughs> or that they're with you, or if I have a training camp and then you know looking after ten people at once and making sure that they're all oh, yeah. okay and. And so to be on your own, either for a long training run or just down in the bush by yourself or or racing, it really is. Um, it's like a holiday or a treat to yourself, which is, mm. I, I guess that's why we do it, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. Do you find it quite um, like meditative? Like I've heard people <laughs> say, oh, I get into sort of a trance. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, and that's kind of um, how you know that you're having a good day or a good race. And because you are, you know, you're just focusing on yourself, you're focusing on your breath, you're focusing on your steps and, um 
if you know so that's your essential part then the next part is you're focusing on nutrition you're focusing on your hydration so you're focusing on like an imaginary clock as well and then whereabouts you are on that clock and then and then when are you eating when you're eating um, when are you drinking next um, where should you be now depending if you've written splits for yourself or not so it's all the absolute focus and look if you're just running not racing but you're just running for you know a training run and you're not like totally that concerned about nutrition that much then yeah and you're just out on an exploration day maybe just with a map in your hands mm. um yeah it's, it's really nice and yeah. um definitely some nice downtime yeah because i guess that's the difference isn't it like a not like a running race where you're all on the track together you can mm. see straight away where you are because you can go, I'm behind that person, I'm in front of that person by this much. Whereas if you're in the middle of a trail by yourself without yeah. those splits, you don't know <laughs> where you are, how you're going. Yeah. And that's exactly right. Um, and it could be, you know, I'm saying, a, you know, ultra, I might not see someone for two hours. I'm, I may not. I may only see people at checkpoints and then you might run in and spot a whole group of people. But so sometimes I would say if I was racing, I would look at the faces of people around me. So in, in other words, say there's another support crew there. I'm running, this is like kind of racing stuff. I would run into a checkpoint. I would see which support crews are there. I would look at their faces. I pretty much have an idea of who they're supporting and then I can tell how close they are to me or not or yeah. if they're doing work or not by looking at the support crew face. Because if they're weird. shocked, like surprised, they're like, oh, man, you, you, you might yeah, think, oh, crap, well. I'm yeah. smashing them. Or uh, yeah. if, if they look all ready, I guess, to, to bring that person in, you go, okay, yeah. they must be right behind me somewhere. That's yeah, really interesting. Right yeah, so I, I don't know. I'm sure other athletes do exactly that. Um, or I would, um, you know, ask my own support crew. But quite often um, I would um, run unsupported and I prefer that. Sounds weird, but um, I just want to run in, grab my own checkpoint bag and then get the hell out of there, not touch mm. anything, not see anybody and just be as efficient as possible because I, I don't know, it, it seems that, if someone's waiting for you for hours on end, you feel obliged to spend a bit of time with them. The poor yeah. guys have been out there, you know, waiting for you for so long. So I like, I love it that they come out and help me, but um, I also am quite content, you know, being on my own too. Yeah, yeah. So if we jump back a little bit, so we've been talking yeah. about running straight away. I guess where when people when you're first introducing yourself to somebody who you've never met before, how do you kind of introduce yourself? Oh, that's an interesting one because so many people, if you tell them that you're an ultra runner, like you've lost them at 10Ks. For people who actually fathom, they go, oh, a marathon, that's 10Ks, isn't it? Uh, no, a marathon is 42.2Ks and then you've lost them at 10Ks. Um, yeah. Most people can't actually grasp the distance. They think 10Ks is, is enough. And so then when you're trying to explain to them, oh, I run ultras and then which is anything over technically over 42.2K and then I run it through the mountains, not flat, and potentially I run it at altitude and and then, you know, I've lost them. You, you can't even tell them, oh, and then by the way, um, I may have won a few events or I've been ranked eighth in the world. Like, <laughs> they're still back at 10K. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're, they've gone. Uh, they've lost it. So, I, Like, do you do you that know, in an I, afternoon or how do you do that usually? Yeah, yeah is that in one go or, you know, and so, you know, they, 
I, they don't even equate it to anything. So it's probably, you know, as an ultra runner, you're always going to remain humble because mm. uh, they don't, they kind of, they don't understand it. They don't get it. And um, so it's, it, yeah, they don't grasp it at all. But I, and then I would say, oh, and I do it and I have asthma and I'm a mum of two and, then they're kind of a bit like, what, you have asthma? What sort of asthma is it? Oh, exercise-induced asthma and cold, dry air asthma, which, you know, mountain running asthma. And mm. yes, that sometimes I will, you know, I will have to pull out an event due to an asthma attack. And, and, and you know, my, actually, to be honest with you, pretty much almost all my DNFs got to being due to asthma attacks if I DNF something. So, mm. you know, there's always this kind of... Um, interesting mind game play that I have to do with myself if I am doing an, an event like how how sick will you be and but that's just all challenges part of ultra running is that you never quite know um yeah, what an event will will hold for you even with all the training in the world you just don't know what what, what will find you out there there's too many yeah. variables involved <laughs> yeah which I guess is that's part of what you love about it right is those is. those and challenges Definitely the challenge. And it's not only the challenge of, you know, the training, but it's a challenge of getting your nutrition right. And it's for me the challenge of managing my my asthma too and getting through an event, um, hopefully asthma free. That's mm. um, a massive challenge for me. If I if I do go through an event asthma free, I usually have a storma. If I get a little bit of asthma, it's okay. Sometimes like I just know I'm going to end up with pneumonia afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> and, and As I'm you do. I'm going to be sick. I, I'm just going to be sick for three weeks afterwards and take myself to the doctor and go on antibiotics and, and then hope that, you know, my next event isn't too close and, and then recover and then yeah. off I go again. So, yeah, yeah you, it, explaining to somebody what you do, um, yeah, you they can't it's it's huge yeah yeah i guess it's i guess it's good that we we can explain it over a longer period of time today then so people yeah. can start to get a good idea of it because even for me it's once i first i the first ultra runner that i came across was um you probably know a courtney de walter um, oh yeah yeah, yeah. she's young yeah absolutely yeah. young I heard yeah. about her on a, she was on a podcast I listened to and I was yeah. just thinking, what is, what is this sport? Like it's nuts. Yeah. And so I thought here I want to go. talk to somebody, somebody yeah. who does this. So here we are. And um, yeah. so how, so this mindset of challenge, you know, you talked about, oh, it's just part of it. If I'm going to be sick for three weeks afterwards, that's part of it. Has that yeah. always, have you always thought like that? Like has that always been something that you it's an interesting one. Like, have I always had asthma? Yeah, probably. I've always been, I was always the kid at, um, you know, I, I, when, um, when say like a pro wheel, like down at my school, it, it wasn't a big public school, so it's probably easier to win than <laughs> like a big public school. But I didn't, I didn't lose a, um, a race, my whole primary school. And I'm pretty wow. sure high school as well. You know, I get to the districts or the regionals and you know i i'll make it to the finals but i definitely wasn't like a standout runner you know what i mean like i yeah i made it through the athletic squad and all the rest of it but if i wasn't wasn't like a representative straight state or anything yeah. um it definitely came afterwards but i was that kid coughing after you know my 800 and 1200 events i was the coughing kid so i've always mm. had asthma and then I, after doing athletics, I was an elite gymnast and uh, also I am um, a representative netball player. So I guess in my, in my youth, in my teens, I, I was used to doing a lot of exercise. Mm. And then also 
I'm only a tiny little girl and just used to potentially having to punch above my weight because here I am playing netball and everyone's huge Super against tall. me. But yeah, but my agility from being an elite gymnast was what got me through to be okay. a representative player. So, um, yeah, so I had that kind of challenge. So I, I was used to always potentially not having the height or not having the lungs and having to work through it. Um, and it just so happens that, lo and behold, trail riding is amazing for someone who's little and has agility. And so I found that that's probably my strength is, is agility. But when we talk about did I go straight from, you know, a kid or, you know, a teenager into trail running. No, I, mm. I had babies in between and I definitely wasn't a, um, an athlete in my 20s at mm. all. Like, I, I barely even ran maybe 5Ks twice a week every three weeks. Yeah, right. <laughs> I really wasn't doing much exercise at all in my 20s, yeah. Mm. So how do you go from running twice twice a week every three weeks to, yeah. to now doing what you're doing? How does that happen? Yeah, it's um, I, I, it's a pretty cool story to be honest. Like all, like most, I had my kids, my first child when I was about twenty six, and then my second daughter I had when I was twenty eight. And all I wanted to do, like most 28, 29-year-olds, was just to run the city to surf. I'm originally from Sydney. Before I turned thirty, and so I just put my little seven-month-old baby in a stroller and I ran with her the city to surf and she cried the whole way and I had to breastfeed twice on the side of the road, you know, the whole story about, you know, the running mum. Mm. And I just finished it and so I just went, oh, yeah, cool, that was nice. And then after I um, after I did that race, because I'd done the city to surf, I got an email maybe six months later saying, do you want to do a half marathon from, you know, Sydney Morning Herald or, you know, because that's the sponsor. And I went, oh, yeah, I'll do, I'll do a half marathon. How, how bad can that be? So that's 20-something Ks, right, half marathon? Yeah, 21.1 Ks, a half marathon. Yeah. So I went, oh, that can't be that bad. And at the same time, I decided to shave all my hair off to raise money for Leukemia um, oh, cool. Foundation. So I did number one. Yeah. And I thought, well, what's a really cool way to um, – keep the weight off get the get the rest of the baby weight off and but to feel good about myself at the same time and went you know what I'll, I'll sign up for that half marathon so i signed up for the half marathon and, and it was only like on eight weeks training my bung knees like my knee i'm double jointed and my kneecaps will slip around to the outside they used to they haven't done wow. for ages so i'm strong now but my kneecaps used to slip around to the outside and six weeks beforehand i, I did my knee again um had my, you know, your baby in front of you on the baby beyond and I bent down and picked something off the ground and out flips my knee. Oh. <laughs> so it's just like, not at all the body that you'd expect to, to be able to like run ultras um, later. But yeah, I just did that first half marathon and while I was running around the first lap, you know, I was going, I'm so doing a marathon at the end of this year. Like, hello. And then you just the really enjoyed half, it. No, but I got to 15K in. I went, there's no fucking way I'm doing the marathon. <laughs> I am not doing the marathon. I'm only doing the half marathon. This is way too bloody hard. I had to walk up the hills at the end. I was stuffed. And at the end of it, I went, oh, my, I couldn't walk for three days. And like, I really was stuffed. My knees were killing me. I went, oh, my God, how on earth am I going to get better? And so I went, you know what, I'm just going to, 
I'm just going to enter that 15K trail run and mm. I'm going to just do that. And I went, how hard can 15Ks on the trail be? Well, if I ran one hour 46 and a half marathon for my first half marathon, I reckon I do about an hour and a half for this. Anyway, this um, this my first ever trail running event. I went out so hard and it's always kind of, I guess, my my thing that I do is that I go out really fast. I haven't I haven't learned, I still do it now. <laughs> I, go, I went out really fast, first 5K, dying. Um, you have to, it's called the Great Nosh, if anybody knows of this event. So I ran along effectively the side of Sydney Harbour and then you get to the bottom of the Roseville Bridge and you have to run on up and over the top of the Roseville Bridge. And then as you go across the Roseville Bridge, there's taxis going past. And this is 13 years ago. This is before everyone's iPhone had like an Uber on it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have my mobile phone on me. I didn't have a credit card on me to get a taxi, but I swear to God, now it was now I would have got a taxi out of there and stopped. I was in so much pain. I was going so fast and so hard. I was total bonking and I got up and over the hill, running down the other side, and I'm just yelling out for water. Water, 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 where's the water? Oh my god, it's five Ks in. Anyway, I got to eventually I got to the end, four hundred minutes from the end. I didn't even know where the finish line was. I'm just walking. And these guys are coming up behind me going, it's tough, isn't it? And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe, you know, I'm just walking at the end of this. And then I got to the end and my dad said to me, everyone else is covered in mud and blood and all the rest of it. And he goes, are you ever going to do that again, Shona? I go, nah, Dad, that's way too hard. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next year I didn't do it again. The year after that I came second and the year after that I won that event. Wow. So it was just one of those stepping stones where – you know, I really was up against it and I just chipped away. So I went from being, you know, definitely someone who was walking in amongst the pack to someone who could win those events. And mm. that probably that same year when I won that event, I think pretty sure that two weeks beforehand I won the two weeks before I came sixth in UTA and that was my first ever 100K and that would have been okay. 2011. Yeah. And UTA, and did, that's ultra, is Ultra Trail Australia? Is yeah, that, that Ultra one? Trail yeah. Australia. So back then it was known as the North Face 100 when I okay. first did it. And um, it, it was probably one of my best achievements. In other words, it was my first ever event and um, my uh, what I should say is my first ever trail running 100k event yeah and then um it was a solo and um all the um all the elites turned up from all over spain us uk it was they all rocked up because um that year um ultra trial mount fuji had been postponed um or cancelled due to um poor weather so um they all turned up to uta and um it meant that I really got to race it against the best. And my mm. time, if it was the year before, would have come first. It just so yeah. happened that the year yeah. that I did it, all these good girls turned up. Yeah. And, um, but it kind of meant that, you know, your result is that much better anyway because it means that, you know, you could race it against these, these the best in the world. and you still You're competitive against them, yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm competitive. I'm, I'm, I'm there. And it's probably worth more to me than just, getting a first in an event do you get what i mean because yeah. it, it really was it was a real it was a real result um and i remember tom landon smith that did a party down to 10 and because i'm such a novice i wasn't there <laughs> like 
know, when we caught up on stage and made it to this gig, you know, you holler about me, but I, I just had no no clue. Oh, I came six, no big deal. Okay, yeah. off we go, get back to the kids, you know. And um, but like nowadays, if you've got six on UTA, it's like, whoa, you know, Australia, that's a that's a big deal. Um, so I then came back the year later to UTA and I came third. And so I took 50 minutes off my time. So I did 12 hours 50 my first year. And then I did 12 hours 50 minutes and let's say 31 seconds. No, 12 hours flat and 31 seconds. The year after that, I think I did, um, I think I had a bad year, like a 12 hours 50. The year after that, I did um, 11 hours 47, I'm going to say. Right. 45. I did 11 hours 45 and 11 hours 47. I've done five of them. And I've got three thirds. And so it. that's a hun- hundred kilometers. Yeah. It's in eleven in eleven hours. So you're you're that's you're racing. That's that's yeah. quick then. Yeah. Yeah. We um the girls who win it usually do it in under eleven or, or close to. So my best time there is I think it's eleven hours forty five. Mm. Um, it's um it's an interesting course because um. There's a lot of stair climbing. So if you, if anyone ever wants to go down and do UTA, you just have to be good at stairs. Going mm. up stairs, you have to be good, but you have to be good at going down them. Very yeah. good at going down. Because you've got to keep that pace up. while while yeah. going down. Yeah, for sure. And and, and not hurt yourself too. Mm. So not hurt your quads. So it's it's a real technique involved to descending a set of stairs. There's railings too, and you learn to hold on to the railings and when to hold on, let go, hold on, let go. You wear gloves too, so you don't cut your hands. Okay, <laughs> yeah, wow. Well, yeah. And there will be leeches. If it's wet, there will be a leech on those railings. You've got to flick it off. Oh. But um, there's a particular <laughs> section that after about 75 k's if you've gone too hard in the first um 50 to 60 k's by the time you get to 75 k's it's it's seriously like 10 stairs up 10 stairs down 10 stairs up 10 stairs down and um so many stairs that later you have nightmares from it like you got to sleep at night and you just have stairs blowing in your face but if you go too hard too early and you get to that 10 stairs up 10 stairs down you actually feel sick like the mm. motion of it makes you feel really sick and a lot of people pull out that 75k feeling sick it could just be like you do this quite a big climb um i think it's 50k in you come up in nelly's glen and it's a seriously it's an 800 meter climb wow. 400 meters of it is is stairs so and it, it just and it's after 50k's of running and if you don't pace that well you you do yourself in. Yeah. So it's, yeah, if anyone's doing UTA, just take Nelly's blend slow. Otherwise, you just pay for it. Oh. How do you train for yeah, something like that? Oh. Just find a big staircase and run up and down it? Like, <laughs> to be honest with you, yeah, yes, that. Um, like we in, in Brisbane, we have Kangaroo Cliffs. There's also Jacksonia Trail. So there's a few um, trails um, on Mount Cuthra as well. Pick any set of stairs. Uh, I said the Albert Street stairs, I'm usually on those as well. But probably the best training you can get is actually on a bike mm. because you're especially descending because it just trains your foot to pick up and to run yeah. around, run around in a circle as fast as you can. And so as you're descending, the minute your foot's hit the ground, you've already trained it to pick it back up again and around and around and around the circle that you run down those stairs with no impact. Yeah, true. The other thing is that you have to, um, have to, you don't have to, but when you're doing your stair descending, 
I never run down one step at a time. I always go down two steps at a time. And that's so my body gets used to taking the impact of two steps at a time because when you go out to the Blue Mountains, they're not beautifully graded stairs. No. Like they're huge drops. So your body has to be able to take that impact of the drop. Mm. So uh, I remember my mate um, way back when I was learning, he goes, Shonu, you got two stairs, but not just one stair at the time, do two stairs at a time. And and so that I, I then made that into one of my strengths is to be able to descend those stairs really fast. And it, it really is probably the reason why I've got three three podiums there, like proper podiums there, is because I, I'm a good descender mm. and um, limited impact on my body. So, you know, I hardly ever put my heel on the ground at all so I don't smash my quads and it's ready mm. for the climbs for later. Yeah, so... So is that... No, sorry, yeah. you go. Oh, I was just going to no, say, like, no. to, to go from running, so you've ran the marathons down in Sydney or the half, the yeah. half marathons and the marathons. How did you go then? Because, you know, like I've, I'm not a big runner. I'm trying to get more and more into running. But, you know, I always I get sore legs and I get sore knees and feet. And I, and I think it's because my technique's awful. Is that something yeah. that you intentionally had a... What's that? Sorry, I don't want to say your technique's awful because I haven't seen it. So, but oh, I can understand. It will be. If, if, if you if you get a little bit sore, um, you definitely might. It might be telling you something's not going right. But you couldn't may not be eating right at the same time as well. Mm. Um, you know, if you're doing a lot of road running, that's a lot of hard, a lot harder on your body than doing trail running. Um, mm. But I guess for me, um, my big turning point was. Um, just like anybody, I guess like anybody, depends, you know, people want to do the city surf right and then another one of my long-term goals was to do Oxfam Trail Walker. And so my first Oxfam Trail Walker was in 2010, so 10 years ago, and um, that year um, it was going to be my first ever 100K and um, that year I finished with two broken feet. You finished with two broken feet. Broken feet, and I knew wow. I was just taking myself off to the hospital the next day for my birthday. I'm pretty sure I was turning, I'm going to say about well, 2010, I must have been turning 32. So mm. I'm 42 now. So, um, yeah, 32. Yeah, so 42. Oh my God. So, yeah, I took myself off to the hospital the next day, and I knew I was going to be on crutches for three months. My yeah. technique was wrong. I was pushing through my feet too much. So I was doing a lot of road running and pushing through my feet in, in um, so not lifting. So you know how like it should be minimum impact on your body. Your foot hits the ground, you literally pick it back up again. You don't push through your foot. Yes. So yeah. that's why cycling is beautiful because it's like it trains you to get that, get that heel up underneath your butt. So um, I was using the power, like my power from gymnastics or whatever. I had my, you know, because I used to sprint, you know, I had that real, I guess, that push-off power and uh, netball or whatever. And um, so I was running quite differently. So it took me oh, far out, um, yeah, three, three months of on crutches. Um, so when I was on crutches, I could go in deep water running. I couldn't walk in shallow water even mm. up to my waist or my armpits i couldn't walk my feet were too busted just too I much to, too much weight on your feet yeah i couldn't actually roll forward mm. i couldn't roll forward through full flexion of my foot my feet were so smashed up that um I, all i could do was tread water 
or I could get on a bike and just turn my legs over in a circle. Yeah. Uh, even an elliptical trainer was too much range of motion through my foot. I found an amazing stair machine, which I could just and literally just go through like my knee lift, my knee drive, and then my like knee drive, knee drive, knee drive, like range of motion through that. And that was about it. That's all I could do because my feet were busted for three to six months. And so, wow. of course, when I came back to running again, leading to 2010, um, I had to be really careful because I, I'm, potentially I could bust my feet up. Mm. Very, and I had to go back on crutches again for another month over the Christmas holiday. So I busted my feet in August until October. I was on crutches, and then December, I'm pretty sure I put myself on crutches again for for a month. And Getting on it because you just got on it too quick. Yeah, and too much running. And mm. at the time, I was a personal trainer, a running coach, and so I was literally on my crutches with my my bag clipped around. <laughs> around me you know pointing my my single you know my crutch around going run there run there run there go up and down that hill and, and so yeah. on and all i could think of was what sort of example am i to my to my clients here i am with two broken feet like hello so it was a, it was an absolute lesson to me of how to teach people how to run to make sure they were going to end up like i did with, with two two busted up feet mm. so um I learned very quickly that I could run a lot further on a trail than what I could on a road. So for me, 100Ks on a trail did absolutely no damage to my feet compared to, you know, 10K on a road is pretty my limit back then. Now, like I've done 100K on the road or 50K on a road, I can, like a half marathon on the road, but I'm just very careful. And it took yeah. me a long time to be able to do that. Yeah. Mm. So let's dig into that that moment then. So because I'm really interested in the physical side of ultra endurance, but I'm also super interested in the mindset. Like because it's so much of it is a mental game as well, right? It probably yeah. would you say would you say it's more mental than physical? Uh, or? Absolutely. Like, why would you want to like put yourself through that much pain? Yeah. So what's going uh, what, through your mind? So when you when you've got two broken feet and you're like most people we're, maybe we're out of yeah. Yeah, gone, I'm over this stuff this I've got home what makes you keep going like what's going through your mind to do that uh, I think um this is it like you have you I think I was just so focused on my end goal like mm. I was in a team of four women like I knew that I was fast enough even on to, I knew I wasn't the slowest person on the team is what I was saying. So I was probably mm. the, naturally the quickest girl on the team. That day with two broken feet, all I knew was all I had to do was to stay in front of the slowest girl. And I was happy to take the hit and take the hit for the team effectively was what I did because I knew that there couldn't be – I think we ended up being second female overall, um, I think – around so so driven by you know position but I, I didn't want to let the team down I knew that they couldn't just find someone else to run 100ks in mm. you know in like two weeks notice what actually happened was and this is how I busted my feet there could have been something going on beforehand but what happened was I, I was running the city to surf and um 
I started the city to surf and I was in a pair of really, really lightweight, probably only 5K racing shoes, like racing flats. Yep. And I was so cold on the start line. My feet were freezing. And so I undid my shoelaces a bit. So just a little yeah. bit, just to get some more movement in my feet. Anyway, I didn't do them up again. I ran down the first hill. I could feel my feet sliding around like nothing else. And I just went, stop it. You don't need shoelaces. Just keep going. You're doing really well. Anyway, about 11K, 8Ks in. My, I had, I felt blood blisters on the balls of my feet. And so I literally slammed into my feet to try and pop the blood blisters. But it was probably just my, the balls of my feet getting pulverized from wow. the pounding. Yeah. So again, poor technique. So then, so that's 8K. I got up to 10K and I looked at the clock and I saw that I, I, this still had a three. So in other words, I was like 39 minutes for 11Ks or whatever. So it meant that all I had to do was just to roll down the hill and I'd get to sub 60 for, for the city to surf. And so another goal of mine was to be sub 60 and to be preferred runner for the city to surf led to that injury. And then three mm. weeks later, I was having to do Oxfam. So I would say I was incredibly driven and incredibly focused and um, I could, I probably have an ability to switch off my pain threshold response, I would yep. say. So in other words, um, I would feel a pain. Would I identify with it? Probably not. I don't identify with pain. There could be something going on in my body and what would make most people stop, I acknowledge it. Yes, it's there, but I don't let it lead to another thought, which is you got to stop or slow down. It's just like, oh, yes, that's there. Okay, cool. What does that mean that you have to do with your technique? I'm going to change my technique just a little bit now and that's blah, blah, blah. Or, or oh, yeah, okay, so today I was out running with a client before. Uh, like my, my quads are pretty smashed from yesterday, which I was up Mount Nebo running around there. <laughs> and my legs hurt, but I just don't identify with the pain because yeah. I know I've got to run about four days with my four hours with my client. So mm. there's no point worrying about it. I've yeah. just got to get to the end goal. So, so you can kind of process it. You're processing the pain. You're not just going, oh, I'm feeling this sucks. I'm, yeah. I'm so sore. You're going, hey, I'm feeling pain. Where's it coming from? And you can, you're working on with that pain. You're almost like teaming up with it to go, yeah. how can we get to the finish line now? That's really yeah. interesting. What do I need to do with my technique? Uh, okay. So you're, the reason why my quads are smashed, right? Everyone feels smashed quads. It's part of conditioning too. Your quads get smashed. You run down a big hill in Mount Nebo and, um, so um, today I'm out on a huge hill again with a client and I can feel it. I can feel it's pain. I can feel it's hurting me. What do I do with that? Uh, yeah, you know what? That's probably just going to loosen up. Mm. If I just keep doing this and keep moving it, it's just going to loosen up. Yeah, it's probably going to be worse tomorrow. But today you're just going to loosen up. And so I've got to effectively break those. You've got micro tears going on. And so mm. I'm kind of re-aggravating my micro tears a little bit. As long as I'm not doing it too bad, then I'm, I'm going to be fine. Yeah. So I guess I, I can, my, I remember my physiotherapist would say, um, you could probably drive a truck through my body and I'd just bounce. So mm. because I did my ability to recover was really high and I don't know if it's due to genetic, maybe it's because I don't identify with the pain 
and that means that I'm more relaxed and not stressed and I'm able to recover on the run or it's just the way that my hormones work or the way what I eat as well. So I definitely, like I'm gluten-free, I'm I'm dairy-free, I'm vegan. Look, I don't push veganism onto anybody, but it's just what works for me. And um, I'm finding that I don't feel pain as much as what I would normally feel pain that's so interesting yeah if i ate something that inflamed my body i would feel more pain but if Mm. i eat really beautiful and clean i don't feel pain as much yeah that's so interesting because one of the people that i follow pretty closely is uh rich roll I'm listening to it in the audio version of it at the moment. And yeah, um, cool. cause he's the same, like he, this all, I think he started running when he was like 45 or something like that. And he'd been, you know, or had a mini heart attack, all this stuff. Yeah. He went vegan, not because yeah. of any animal rights stuff or anything like that, but just uh, really he's like, yeah. I just feel incredible. Like, and there's yeah. something about it, hey. Yeah, to be honest with you, I've been vegetarian. I've been vegetarian since I since I'm 18, I reckon, and I haven't eaten any dairy since about then as well. Maybe when I was about 36, I had added a little bit of fish in, but I've probably taken that out now. So the past mm. year, I've definitely taken it out, and I'm feeling good for it again. It's it, you just work through it and. It just works what works for your body, I find. And I'm finding there is definitely a thread with ultra runners that it just seems to work for us. And it means that maybe it just means that we can get enough calories in through mm. vegetables because we don't have to try and process you know, that amount of protein. It's less acidic yeah. too if you eat vegan. Um, it means that you have a more alkaline diet and you just recover a lot faster so um yeah it's, yeah, it's so that, interesting that is, like, we, juice, don't we <laughs> we all have our beetroot juice and there's a that's a big push on that like i have my carrot celery beetroot and apple juice every day religiously and um i know that that makes me feel good too and i've probably mm. almost eaten that juice ever since i drank that juice ever since i was about 18 when an old naturopath said you need to have this every day and i went okay fair enough yeah, it's really interesting because like, like I'm, I'm not a vegan. It's something I've never really been exposed to or anything like that. And yeah. um, the only, the only people that I knew that were vegans were people who were really trying to, I guess, push it on me because oh, of the, yeah. the animal side of it, which I, I completely understand. Yeah, but the yeah. more and more I look into this kind of people who are athletes that are really flourishing that are, you know, they yeah. don't just get to their, um, cause I'm 30 this year. You don't just get to 30 and then drop off. They're athletes that are really going out, going strong. Mm-hmm. They all seem to be either vegetarians or vegans. Well, not all of them, but a lot of them do. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm really yeah, starting to think about it. Yeah, some of them might have a, a bit of fish in there. There's other people who are just Neanderthals and that's that's sweet. But I, I think that's the key is, um, you know, you just work out what works for you. And if you are finding that there's a bit of pain going on, yeah, just try it. It seems mm. to work for so many people. It, it, it's a great way to keep the weight off too. And let's face it, a lot of like um, for a lot of 
a lot of the battle is power to weight ratio for, you know, ultra runners. You have to get up and over that mountain or the more kilometers that you do, you know, um, you know, if you're lighter, it's easier. (laughs) I I would say to my, my partner looks at me and he goes, God, you could never put on weight. To be honest with you, I'm celiac as well. So I've got that on top of it. Um, as as well as being, you know, vegan. So uh, it's probably the reason why I am vegan is because I am celiac. And so I have to make sure that I can digest all my food in just the most absorbent, um, anti-inflammatory way. Um, mm. Yeah, it, but it definitely, I think it would actually hurt me to get any bigger than this. And, and it, we always joke about it because, you know, those foods that, you know, I would naturally love like cheese and cheese and gluten like who doesn't love cakes and pastries and all that stuff but oh my god i've been in so much pain so i can't have it so yeah. which, which is good yeah it's a very easy for me to to then eat clean because it, it really does hurt me yeah i think it's one of those things though as well like um even i i, I don't think i'm a celiac or anything like that but you know the other night we when was it friday night you know, all these COVID restrictions, they're starting to loosen up. So we went with two friends out to a cafe in, in the, near the valley, near um, the barracks. And I had this, a burger and chips. And I, I, after that, I woke up and I was like, I feel awful. Like I felt disgusting. Yeah. I'm like, why yeah. do I, why am I doing this to myself? Like the, yeah. the, the reward doesn't outweigh what comes yeah. afterwards. So. Gosh, you might say we go to a, a burger place. I go, I always get like, you know, the vegetarian patty. And then I ask them to do lettuce top and bottom. Mm. And then I get carrot, celery, beetroot, pineapple. No, carrot, celery, yeah, pineapple. And then it's avocado as well. And then I get like loads of chips. Mm. <laughs> and then I, I bulk it up with all the chippies. But I definitely don't have the gluten. And even the, um, the um the gluten free bread if you know some of them do have egg in it or um, i'm allergic to sesame and so i've got like asthma so i'm celiac and asthmatic so i've got to always try and make sure my, my airway is really open and clear yeah so that's why i do the lettuce which is hilarious but um <laughs> i i bulk up on the chips <laughs> nothing mm, yeah. wrong with potatoes that that ticks all the boxes that's for sure <laughs> oh, how good. love it yeah love yeah, it yeah. I think it's something that I've got to, I don't know, my, my wife isn't super keen, but um, just experiment a bit with, I'm a, I like experimenting. So try and, you know, see how I go for a week or two weeks and see what happens and, you know, this sort of stuff, just play, play around, see yeah. what happens. Usually after about two weeks, mm. you, you notice a difference. So sometimes I would always say to people, oh, give me two weeks. If you can come back for something for two weeks, try it for two weeks and then let's just see how you go. Sometimes it might take three months. To, like so say if you've been eating something and it is a toxin for your body, mm. it, sometimes it would take three months for that to leave your body if you were really clogged up. Yeah. But two weeks you should feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, are you, well, we, my wife and I, we both eat pretty pretty damn healthy it's just we do add in meat and dairy so shouldn't be too bad but yeah i'll give it a try you've inspired me (laughs) (laughs) definitely um what do you recommend for we're bouncing around a bit still but so for people that are just you mentioned that you're a running coach you're uh you've got a client yeah. at the moment we're talking before we hit record you've got a yeah. client who's just starting out how do you 
what would you say to somebody who's listening to this like myself and going, I really want to get in. Like I've always wanted to be a runner, but I've never got to the point where I was a runner. I was just somebody who would go for a run, go, Oh, that's, I feel terrible. And then that would be another, you know, it'd be another month. What do you say to somebody who's trying to get into it? Um, it, it was interesting. The, the guy who, who I um, was just coaching, he can't even run. So I, I, I'm just walking with him at the moment. So mm. there are people out there who, who are definitely um, 130 kilos, 140. I think I've even trained people who are 150 kilos before. Wow. And um, they're not they're hoping to just walk 200 metres. And so I've taken people from walking 200 metres to running 10Ks. Yeah, and it's right. that same And um, you just got to chip away. So just take it so slowly. And sometimes just get your walking fitness up, so get your time on your legs up. So you start with that. Um, safe, safe way to get your fitness up when walking is to do heel repeats. So really okay. cool way. It builds up your glute strength, builds up your, um, your quad strength up and down. But when you can handle walking up and down hills, the good thing is to, to do from there is to maybe run 20 steps and walk 20 steps and most people can handle 20 steps walking 20 steps running so yeah. if you're doing like a, a cheeky interval with yourself but you're not really you're not really calling it intervals no. but you are you, you're doing it you're doing a cheeky interval with yourself and so you can just do 20 steps on 20 steps off and most people can handle that and to be honest with you that's how i would normally teach um clients to be able to run up a hill because sometimes you hit the bottom of a hill and you go, oh, my God, that's so big. I can't run up that. But most people can manage 20 steps on, 20 steps off. And that's also how I would manage a hill, say, if I was doing like Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc or a massive hill. I would mm. set a set a, a goal to, to myself or a target. I definitely have an action plan effectively at the base of each hill and go, okay, what are you doing here? How are you going to handle this hill? Oh, this is a run and walk hill. This is a walk only hill. Oh, this is a, a run hill. I can handle this. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a lot of people, they feel so terrible is because they um, haven't done a warm-up. So they've gone out really, really fast and, you know, you heard me. Yeah, I, I would do what I would used to do. I used to run for 10 minutes and then literally go high behind a tree and then, like, stretch <laughs> just like everybody else does. Go, I run out, I've, like, gassed myself after 10 minutes and there's probably two Ks and then, you know, and I'd hide and stretch. But that's actually probably my body saying, you know what, you're supposed to do a 10-minute warm-up and then you're supposed to do your range of motion stretching, which is, you know, I do always do 10 big arms backwards, 10 big arms forwards, and then I swing yep. my legs around, you know, out and back, forward, and then across my body, just like the football players do. And so I do that. So I do my 10 minutes of just slow jog, so take it easy. It's supposed to be like a grandma. You're not supposed mm. to be going very fast at all. And then I do my range of motion stretching and then I start running. Right. So from there you might go, okay, so make sure you do a proper warm-up. Yeah. Yeah. First. Okay, that's what I've been missing. The other the other week or <laughs> last week I went for a jog or was 
yeah, it was more than a jog. It was a run because I'm silly and I just go too hard. Had some really motivational music and I ended up in a bus stop somewhere just like almost peeled <laughs> over going, what have I done? And then just like yeah. walks the slowest walk ever back home. My wife's yeah. like, oh, how was your jog or well, your run? And I was like, yeah, it was okay. I don't know if I'm doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming out a little bit hard and most people will go out there and most people say I can't even run a kilometer and they usually have just gassed themselves for a kilometer so I just run and walk for a k so when you're another lady just starting this morning and um actually she started a few weeks ago and I just have her running maybe 100 meters around an oval and then 100 meters walking, and then 100 meters running, and then 100 meters walking, and we just split it up into four, you know, manageable parts. And just mm. like anything, just split it up and go. Okay, I'm going to run to that tree. I'm going to walk, run a walk. Um, and I guess that 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 way you also will avoid injuries because you're not going to, you know. You're probably going to be able to manage to be able to run with a better technique for 20 steps than try and do, you know, a 400-meter run where maybe good technique for maybe 50 meters, you know what yeah. I mean, or 100 meters, and then your technique goes because you're getting tired. So it's all, all, always better to run and then walk because mm. you can maintain your technique for that time. Mm. Yeah. But I guess the other thing that I get people to do is I get people to do running drills like, high knees and kicking bums and, you know, knee drive forward, foot under bum and bouncing and hopping and walking lunges um, just to make sure that they have the range of motion and also the strength to be able to run well because mm. if you just run without building the strength of good running, strength should be, then you're never going to develop the good running technique unless you do those drills. Yeah, if you haven't got that foundation, it's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, if you never move your body um, in the correct way, it was never going to learn how to move in the correct way. Mm. So that's why we have to do the drills or run for a short distance in the correct way and then walk. Eventually your fitness, your cardio will catch up mm. and it will just take some time. It will take three years. It took me probably, I'm just trying to think, it took me years to be able to run up hills like, years to be able to run like even technically ultra trail australia i would have like there's one hill i've never been able to run up that sucker you know <laughs> and that's just and that's just that i might i might be able to run up in a training session but i can't run up it after 80k yeah um yeah so it's not, sometimes and, and most of the girls will run up that hill i'm pretty sure brendan and scott or, or some of the boys can get up there um if they're having a good day but you know, it, it just takes time to build up that endurance. Yeah. yeah. That's something that, um, it's another tangent, but something that I found super interesting when I started looking into, especially ultra running is like, for instance, we're talking about before Courtney DeWalter, like how yeah. she's like beating guys by hours yeah. or, you know, yeah. like there, there seems to be like, it's one of those sports where, um, guys and girls, like it's quite, close between you which is awesome it's really cool yeah um look and i think it, especially when it goes to the um the really long stuff 
Um, I'm pretty sure research has shown that women are better at fat burning than men. Um, I'm pretty sure just our metabolism, we naturally hold, I think, 10% more body fat on our bodies than men just because of, you know, we hold it in our skin. That's why quite often women, women don't look as ripped as blokes. Mm. You know, you know, when we get down to it, we, we actually physically can't. I'm sure we, you know, we hold a little bit in our breasts and, you know, in our boobs, in, in our butt and stuff, but naturally in our skin, we also hold more fat than men. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure it's just because we hold, have babies. Yeah. And so so you're just more efficient. <laughs> I think we're there for the long haul, the girls, and especially for the, the longer distances. Um, when we do the multi-stage events, um, we definitely, uh, it's, it's, it's becoming a more even playing field. But um, in, in an event like, you know, um, UTA, the, the boys are probably still two hours ahead of the girls. I think they, they still run in a nine and, and, they, and the women are still doing an 11, but it's more strength-based. Mm. but it is a shorter so it's still you know that 100k distance but when we start to go out over to the multi days 200ks plus i think that's when it becomes a real yeah and i and i don't know if it's also because you know we are made to have babies therefore we're made to go through labor that we also are better at switching off our Oh, um, pain threshold. Oh, I've heard yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. something we about you. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it is just because of labor. Yeah. Mm. Sure. <laughs> What's the longest race that you've done? Um, it was probably, um, Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc, maybe Ultra Trail Mount Fuji one year, the course had changed and then I got a bit lost. So I added some extra. <laughs> so just 170 k's i think i've done wow 170 k's with with altitude um so about 30 hours 30 just over about 30 hours for yeah for both of them about 30 hours and five minutes or thereabouts and how Um, long are you stopping for so that's 30 hours of running slash i imagine there's probably a little bit of walking there Exactly, oh. running and walking, and um, but I don't, I don't like hanging out checkpoints for too long. I, mm. I definitely just get moving through them. Um, wow. I don't even like sitting down. Yeah, yeah I don't sit down. I just keep going. That's uh, incredible. I think because I'm asthmatic, it sounds so weird that the minute that I stop, it's like I've stopped my pump for my for my lungs. Yeah, and um, I know some people can go in and they can lie down and have a rest for 45 minutes and then i've seen them get up and recover and still beat me and that's woohoo what a, but um if i even attempt to do that i'll be sleepy bye byes or alcohol yeah. asthma would kick in and that's it so i've got to just keep keep that pump going otherwise i just um i really do fill up mm. in my lungs and and it's it, i'm better off it sounds weird i'm better off running than walking because um just the way that I use my breath, I have a higher cadence and then okay. I pump more oxygen in when just the way that I breathe is differently. And so I'm more likely to get more oxygen in if I'm running than if I'm walking. So obviously I have an efficient run, otherwise I wouldn't be able to be able to do it on a really minimal impact run, but um, I prefer to run up hills and to walk there. And then if yeah, I do, right. and if I stop is when I start to get the cops rather mm. than, 
yeah, if I keep moving. So I don't makes, like stopping. Yeah. It, it makes sense because you'd, you'd imagine, so I'm sitting down and talking on Thursday with a, a lady and she is a, she's done her PhD on like flow states, like um, especially yeah. around athletes and how to, how they stay in that state and, you know, creatives do it as well. You can work for two days straight on a piece of art or something and not stop mm-hmm. or eat or think. Mm-hmm. I imagine it's similar as well. Like you would, if you're in that, if you're in the zone and you're going well, yeah. why stop yeah. for 45 minutes? Like, yeah. yeah, it's um like my muscles tighten up, you get cold too. Mm. I get cold, I tighten up. Yeah, it's um yeah, I, I just don't like stopping. I just keep going. So I might come in, grab a hot tea and then just keep going out of there. If I do stop, it's um like UTMB one year, I saw everyone else sitting down after 90K. I went, like, mm, maybe this is what you do here. <laughs> like I was doing really well. I think I was in fifth, I was in sixth place overall. And I went, yeah. maybe this is what we do. And, yeah. um, and then I went, oh, oh, no, actually I'm, I'm now too cold. Um, mm. My... My ankle is seizing up and I actually pulled out that year due to injury. I wouldn't have said that I was um, literally puffing or anything. It was just that I, uh, my ankles got too cold and I felt like um, I'd have broken ankle actually. It ended yeah, up right. being the other foot I had septicemia. Is that right? Um, cellulitis going up, <laughs> going up the toe on my other foot. <laughs> so I, I knew I had pain going on somewhere. Like I had yeah. one it was probably my pain threshold trying to get me to stop because, you know, I had that red line heading up my my foot when I got off the – so there was something going on. So, yeah, yeah but I don't like to stop at all. Yeah. Not yeah, well. Wow. <laughs> keep going. Yeah. Yeah, right. Do you – are you carrying – so I'm asking lots of questions, but I guess that's what we're here for. But yeah, yeah. so are you carrying water with you? Like do you, yeah, do you have a water bottle? Yeah, so what we – um. What I do is I usually allow for 500 mils per hour. So if I think, which means if you're going over a mountain range, you could be six hours without a checkpoint or seven hours without a checkpoint, which means that I've got to carry three three liters of water on me plus wow. my kit So and, and my food. So you've got to allow for that. And some of those checkpoints when you are doing an ultra in, you know, off time at Fuji or Mont Blanc, it could be a six-hour checkpoint. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So yeah, you carry it all. Um, in you know France, they say, oh, you can just fill up from the creeks, and you're supposed to, and they encourage it <laughs> with your iodine tablets. But yeah, it's I do hear of people getting sick, but you can you can like if you're up at a snow line, you can have the snow, take the snow and use that. It also makes you cold, but you can mm. do this. I've filled up at creeks before. Yeah. Um, when I know I'm going to be up in the Alpine region, um, but in Australia, this is impossible. Yeah, it must be beautiful running you know, through. Because we just so, have that. It is. Yeah, some of my best memories are, you know, I think I'm, let's say, 50, 50K in or whatever, 60K into the Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc. And, um, there's this one particular climb that's up to like the French Italian border, and it's at night time, and there's like all these switchbacks. Mm. And so, can you imagine you're going up and then you look back, and there's a ribbon of light behind you? Yeah, just wow. so all dark, and then a and a ribbon of light, just twinkling lights behind you, moving up behind you. So it can look gorgeous, but 
bloody scary at the same time because when you're racing, you don't know who's in there and you can see a lot of people coming behind you and you can use that to motivate you yeah. to go, okay, where am I? What place am I? Am I racing yet or am I not racing yet? You know, so that, that in itself, you have to be able to control that for you too. Mm. So like, it depends on what sort of runner you are. Are you a, do you run on fear? Are you a hunter or are you a, a flea? Do you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah so I do know I, what you mean. I'm a flea, like I'm a flight. So yeah. I'm okay with hunting people down, but I'm definitely like to get out the front and then, yeah, be yeah. scared of what's coming up behind me. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And if you can really harness that, you're, you're, you're going, you're my, you're my target now. I'm not getting yeah. caught by you or I'm, 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 I'm running you, you down. Yeah. yeah, that's super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so some people are real hunters, and then uh, and I'm a I'm a flyer. So I'm always fast out of the blocks, and it's just my flight response. So yeah. I've got a flight response, and I'm boom, I'm gone. And then, but you know, I've, I've been able to use my natural speed, I guess, from doing track work to get some easy Ks at the start, which could take some people. Sometimes when I'm racing, if they can catch me at eight Ks, they're I'm probably not going to see them again. If they catch me at 30K, I may not see them again. At 80K, yeah, in other words, not in other words, there's usually a big gap between someone catching me. At 8K, if they've got me and passed me, they probably won the race because yes. they're that much faster than me. At 30K, chances I could catch them again. But at 80K, if someone I've usually been able to maintain that distance at 80K, in other words, no yeah. one's going to catch you until 80K. Yeah. And then at 80K, if they get ahead to, of me, fantastic. Sometimes I can still chase them down, but I'm definitely one of those people that try and stays out ahead of people. Mm. And Makes you sense. have to be a particular type of runner to be able to get me early because mm. I can maintain my speed for that amount of time. The last, the the time that I did the UTMB when I came tenth over there, I I probably have a totally different um, game plan than what I normally had, and you have to. So for a hundred k event for me, for a hundred k event, I can get out and hold it and maintain it, but for a hundred mile event, it, that's different. Yeah, I can't. How many do k's that. is that? How many k's is a hundred miles? Hundred sixty. Hundred sixty k. Yeah. So for 160K, you don't start racing until 120K in. And then right. you start racing. So you made it through the night all the way through the next day and then you're starting to race. Mm. So for 100 mile, you have to go out, you know, slow and that's how you that's how you handle 100 mile. Mm. And you go out walking when you normally be running. And so straight up I'd have – I've watched all these people. So the – the first year I attempted UTMB, I pulled out at about 105, 115K, depending where the checkpoint was where I had to pull out. I'm pretty sure I had to do an extra 10K or whatever <laughs> to get out of there. <laughs> 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 oh, well. And anyway, but um, I raced it too early. And then I, it, when I got to about 80 or 90K in, I was at, I can't remember, 12 hours, let's say. A year later, I, I ran and walked, ran and walked, took it really slow. People were asking me after 8K, Shona, what's up? You're walking here, whereas last year you were running it. And I go, yeah, 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 it's cool, it's cool, it's cool. I got to 90K in. I was only a minute behind. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. I'd probably given up 
I think I was in 24th place, whereas the year before I was maintaining fifth place. Do you get what I mean? So yeah. I've come. But you right had so much up. more in the tank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had so much more in the tank. Whereas, you know, 100K, you can get out, hold it, maintain it. But yeah. that's me, I can, but not for 160K. Yeah. It's an extra, you, extra distance that makes the difference. Mm. Yeah, and it's not, I usually say this to people is that when you're doing an ultra, um, you can only push your limits so much because you have to leave something in the tank for when it all goes tits up <laughs> because you have to be able to think your way out of it. You have to be able to think your way out of an, a problem. So if something happens, you get lost or your nutrition stuff's up or you don't have the right gear on you or something happens, you have to yeah. build your head stuff's up. You've got to figure out how to, or you have an injury, you, you, tw you twist your ankle. You have to have enough in the tank to be able to go, okay, I've got this yeah. covered. How do I think my way out of this problem? But if you push yourself too hard too early, you don't have enough glucose in your brain to think your way out of a problem. Mm. And yeah. then that's when it's just a downhill, downhill spiral pretty much. Hey? Exactly. Yeah. Before you know it, you're crying and you want to give up. <laughs> you're yeah. going home in the bus. <laughs> oh, I've been skidooed down the side of a, a mountain because it was snow. I was up at 3,000 metres on the back wow. of like, you know, the, the rescue patrol dudes oh, crack up and then you have to do a walk of shame in front of, you know, the police in Italy or... Oh. <laughs> Out of an ambulance. So I've, I've had an absolute corkers before where just absolute bonks where, um, you know, there was this one race called um, Ice Trail um, Valdezere. Ice Trail to Valdezere? Yeah, something like that. I can't remember. It was a few years ago. But you go up on a glacier and we have to wear special um, crampon shoes. Wow. And so they're like these. It's called yak tracks anyway. It's like you put wire up, like wire on the bottom of your shoes so then you can run up the ice and yeah. you have to have poles. And so up we go and we got, and you race up above 3,400 metres and you come all the way back down again and you go up and over all these mountain ranges and 60% of the race is above the snow line. So you're running through the snow for yeah. 40 kilometres more. The fastest way to get down the mountain when it's snowing is actually just to slide down on your ass. <laughs> it's super fast. And that then I'm running so along. I'm running along. I'm from Australia. We're not used to snow running at all. <laughs> and um, I'm running along and I'm going, remember I've got those dodgy knees that used to flick out. I'm like, yeah. how on earth am I doing this and not having my knees flip out? Yeah, wow. <laughs> snow is melting. It's yeah. all, you're running through snow. It's melting. And you're running yeah. along. And <laughs> but, how um, do you train for that? Like, well, you just sort of go the first time you did it, you just do it. That's it. That was it. I, I went over there to race on the European circuit and you just did it. Um, yeah. There was no training involved. I'd, I'd get off a plane on, you know, say I was racing in France, I, I raced the Mont Blanc Marathon. You get off the plane on, I want to say, Tuesday. You're racing a vertical K on the Friday. Um, and then two days later, maybe the Sunday, you're doing the, the marathon. <laughs> so, yeah, wow. Yeah. yeah. You, you don't yeah. get much time on the ground. Well, I didn't. I had kids. So some people get to go over and the right thing to do is to go over six weeks beforehand, sit at altitude and acclimatise yourself. But yeah. for me, I, I just didn't have that. I had kids. So I 
I had to, you know, do it at home. So I'd go into an altitude gym and, and train with like an altitude mask on. I know that Brendan Davies used to, may still do, he'd go into a full chamber. I right. couldn't get myself to a chamber down in Sydney. So I used mm. to just restrict myself of, of the oxygen just to increase my lung capacity, but to also get myself used to that feeling of being uncomfortable potentially. Mm. Um, yeah. at altitude, especially as an asthmatic. So then when yeah, I got definitely. over there, it wasn't so terrifying. So, um, yeah, look, Mont Blanc Marathon, I, I, I did really well at, and, you know, I ended up getting a ninth place there. But, wow. you know, I lost, I gave it my absolute all, and I stuffed up my nutrition. At 10 kilometres, my gel flask flew out, and five <sighs> gels gone, and I was going so fast down a mountain, stop it! Oh, <laughs> But yeah, so that one I got away with, but I lost three places in the last 400 meters because I was just bonking. The Mm. next one I did in Europe, um, I I bonked. My my support crew um, didn't turn up at 40K and then he didn't turn up at 50K because he... He thought that I was in another race. <laughs> the one race went through, the short course went through. So like say if I was doing the 60K, short course went through the 30K runners and he's going, where's Shona? Oh, my God, she must be injured somewhere. And so he left. Oh, and so I yeah. get to the checkpoint. I remember I'm celiac and gluten-free. I'm asthmatic. I can't eat anything at the checkpoints. I'm su- yeah. surviving on Coca-Cola and bananas and you can't do that at altitude. So I had a good old-fashioned bonk and so that's when I got ski dude down the mountain. So yeah. it's just, yeah, nutrition's so important. Yeah, mm, so important. Sure. Otherwise, you, you just stop. That's it. You're out cold, lying in the yeah. snow. <laughs> yeah, not, yeah you, you can't do anything else, definitely. Yeah, yeah. 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 you're out. Yeah. Especially at 3,000 metres. It's amazing how many calories you turn through um, mm. then at sea level. Yeah, you can just eat Nutella all day long there and you're fine. <laughs> just pure yeah. energy. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. How yeah. have you taken so the, less, the lessons that you've learned and the experiences that you've had from running and on these, on these um, incredible races, have you taken some of those lessons and applied them into your own life or have you found that there's been a bit of a transference of your mindset in a race to how you approach you know, business challenges like that. Absolutely. Um, It's all about having the right focus and what is the right focus at any given time. And so if if you're in, you know, a race, so what's your focus? That's easy. The focus should be nutrition, hydration, your technique, what's going on the checkpoints, what's in my checkpoint bag, the preparation beforehand, your training beforehand, everything that leads you into it. From that then is, yeah, it's so easy to then apply that to business. Mm. It's, you know, what's my right focus? What do I need to get done today? But that's like your short-term goal for the day. Then you set your long-term goals and medium to long-term goals. So I've been really lucky to to take my experience of what we're talking about, um, 13 years of trail running, and, and now I've put on Brisbane Trail Ultra. And um, I've been able to apply... I've got one of those crazy photographic memories that at any given time at any part of the course, I could almost remember if there was an issue with whatever, be it something that the race director had to fix or something that happened on the course at any given time. And so I can remember that and then apply it to to then being a race director for a Brisbane Trial Ultra. So mm. um, it's been great. Um um, with that, so Brisbane Trail Ultra, I probably I knew that in 2013 I wanted to do a race. Okay. I just didn't know where. 
So uh, it's been a goal since 2013. I was looking at events um, to put on an event down in the Blue Mountains in Sydney, um, but 100 miles in, in, in that area. But um, it so big happened that I moved up to Brisbane. And then, of course, I researched all the trails around here and I figured out which, which trails would, um, would get us the vert that was needing, needed. So elevation gain and loss that was needed to, to mean that we could get maximum points on, um, for our athletes if they were trying to qualify for other events like... Um, okay. Yeah, like Western States, Ultra, um, Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc and so on and so on. Um, but also, you know, you have a duty, if, if you're a race director, you have a duty of care to your um, to your entrants to make sure that they are getting one, the best possible course, but also um, the biggest bang for their buck. In other words, the yeah. most elevated gain loss possible. But also... You know, if those athletes are then going to go off and race internationally, you have to then make sure in your mind, are they prepared for that? So I guess I look at the Brisbane Trail Ultra as a stepping stone event to if people were going to go and race over in Europe, US, Japan, New Zealand, they're going to be prepared. Yes. I guess that's my coaching mama, mama, <laughs> the mum that I am going, if you can do this, you're going to be okay over in Europe. You, you, that's you're so gonna good. Be fine. Yeah, yeah. And, and I guess that is the main focus of you know the, of our event is to um yeah definitely prepare people for mm. for bigger beyond yeah. Whereabouts is the race? Where where do you guys do it? So we start in the Gap, okay. and then we head up. Yeah, we head up to McAfee's Lookout, all the way up to Mount Nebo, to Mount Glorious, um, Northbrook Mountain, and then we come back via Gold Creek. And um, part of, I guess, um, our ethos is that we try and get as many stunning views, as many gorgeous single tracks, and um, really showcase our amazing um, rainforest and subtropical rainforest. And this virgin, if we got virgin rainforest just up at Mount Nebo, Mount Glorious, not too many yeah. people even know that. It's people, beautiful, eh? Hey? 400-year-old trees just there. They're massive trees. And I just want to, you, it's, and that's the reason why we've got, like, the trails going straight past it. There's, like, these little detours where people go, why is there an out and back there? Ah, there's an out and back that way because there's an amazing tree there and you all need to go there. And, yeah. and there's a few little circuits and loops. But those circuits and loops, are, they're there for a reason. It's because that particular part of the course is really pretty. So um, circuits and loops are also quite cool. If you're a racer, you get to see your get to see your competitors. Yeah. And you also, if you're not racing just out there for fun, if you're doing an out and back or a circuit, chances are you might see your mate out there too and you get to high-five your friend. And, you know, as we were talking about before, ultra running can be quite a lonely experience. And so if you get to see your friends, it um, definitely makes it a little bit more exciting when you're out there racing. Yeah, but, that's um, awesome. Yes, yeah, so, yeah we, we've tried to make it the prettiest course possible and um, definitely the most challenging course in, in the area. And we're pretty sure it is the most challenging course in the area, which is um, fantastic. And then, we, and then we had the audacity, of course, to um, run it down through Paddington and then finish it into the city. Okay. At so we run it all the way. Um, so we come down... Um, Latrobe and Given Terrace, and then we cut up in front of Southern Corp Stadium, mm-hmm. and then we take the bike paths oh, into yeah. South Bank. Yeah, that's so awesome. That's so good. Yeah, yeah. And so um, last year we timed it that 
most of our runners were finishing at sunset or twilight dusk which mm. meant that you know our brisbane city light show is on so 100k 100 mile runners 60k runners then run into the city and it's all lit up for them at night Mm. And then, of course, I get to have, you know, beers, you know, food trucks and there's a big festival atmosphere at the end. So this year with COVID, um, we've kind of had to do it a little bit differently. We've had to spread everybody out a little bit more, which means that the 110 and 100 mile runners will still be finishing at night, but the 60k runners and 30k runners will be finishing in the day. So right. we just spread everybody out. And then, yeah, so then we can have our social distancing and keep everyone safe. Yeah, so we've had to do a few little tricks with COVID to, um, mm. to get us over the line. Um, yeah, so we had to postpone the event too because we were um, the Aura, so the um, Australian Ultra Runners Association um, 110K, 100K Championships. So that's the championships which they hope to choose the national team for. Okay. And so because... Um, um, it was so our original date was on July 11th. So our borders weren't going to be open to interstate by July 11th. Yeah. Um, our premier was only going to decide on July 10th whether or not she would open, and then that would be two weeks later. So we missed it by maybe about two weeks. Yeah. So that's why we postponed the date, um, the event until um, October long weekend. Um, so it's the third and the fourth of October is now the now our race day. Wow, that sounds and great. Yes, yeah, it's a hundred and ten k. It's a hundred k champ. So we um we are definitely attracting a fair amount of interstate athletes. And so that was the other reason why I postponed it is because so many people from all over the country want to come. And so that's why we um, we pushed it back as well. And to be honest with you, in um in two thousand and nineteen last year, we had everybody coming from all over the country. It wasn't mm -hmm. just a Queensland event. It was even if it was Queensland, it was all the way up the, yeah. the whole of the Queensland coast came. So we had it all heat mapped: Northern Territory, WA, South Australia. We people from New Zealand, Japan, um, US, uh, Singapore, Thailand, Vietnam, Spain, UK, all came to the event. It was awesome. so it was really, really, really nice international event. So it's a shame that they won't be able to come, or the internationals won't be able to come this year. But we hope to have them back in twenty twenty one. Yeah, twenty twenty one might be your biggest one yet. Then, because everybody's been yeah. hanging out for it. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Really excited. Um, we're really excited about it. We we know that even to be honest with you, potentially even 2021, we might still have to have the same. Yeah. Um, I guess you know, like social distancing, distancing still might be a thing in 2021. Mm. So the other thing that we're doing for our athletes is, um, you know, how before I said that I don't mind being unsupported into checkpoints. I don't come in contact with anybody. So I've probably taken that same ethos of me that I like, maybe it's called control freak, OCD, I don't know what. <laughs> but imagine if, say, in COVID, if you think about a checkpoint and like spread of disease, mm, yeah. Imagine those checkpoints, they can be like a big hot mess of like whatever, people just <laughs> everywhere right. touching the face, touching the noises, touching things. Yeah, gross. So then what we're allowing is for people to have their own um, drop bags. So they're running, 
go to their own drop bag and that, that could be a 30k runner and that's from you know the first ever checkpoint so they can come in manage their own food which is normally not necessarily the case but we definitely want to do it for for our event in in covid so then it just means that people can really control their own nutrition control their own, own hydration and they don't have to touch anything at the checkpoints yeah. which is um, which is really cool well obviously we're going to have emergency supplies and we'll have hand sanitizer and marshals there making sure everybody's social distancing and being clean as they touch things but we just didn't want you know people running in and potentially making other people sick um, yeah definitely that's, that's the key thing the other big push is that um you with COVID, everything's supposed to be a single-use item. And, of course, last year, what was what was a big push? The big push was against single-use plastics. And then here yeah. we are, this year of, you know, how do we keep everybody safe? And it's all like this so, big throwaway so, thing. We just mm. didn't want that to happen. And so that's why we're really encouraging people to use um, their own drop bikes and then hopefully they can use their own reusable water bottles. So they come in. They have their own water bottles in their race bags. They throw it into their checkpoint bag. They pick up two water bottles. They shove it back in their vest and then they run out of there. Super That's fast. Good. Very easy. Yeah. It's probably even faster than filling up a water bottle where you have to sit there and wait for the tap to fill. Yeah. Like I, I personally, as a, an elite athlete, I've always gone in with my pre-filled water bottles, go in, grab two water bottles, and then go out of there, which means I probably have about 14 pre- water bottles, soft flasks, ready to go, but it's something which I've invested in over time, and yeah. it means that my checkpoints are lightning fast. Definitely. I think it's good as well. Like you're talking about how you're trying to make it almost like a, not so much a training, but going, if the athletes can do this, they can go and do anything in Europe or wherever. It's, it's good experience for them as well to not have that big crew that they're relying on. You know, they go, it's, they might not have ever done a single been their own controlled it all themselves. So if they go, you know, when I did that in the, in the Brisbane What's what's the name of it again? Brisbane, Brisbane Trail Ultra. Yeah. Brisbane Trail Brisbane Ultra. Trail. If they go, yeah, I did so that in that, I feel comfortable now doing something similar in the other races. Yeah. So, hmm. yeah, and that's exactly right. Like to be honest with you, like in New Zealand they do drop bags. Um in Australia we do drop bags, but in Europe it's very checkpoint driven. So you you won't so in Europe you only get one drop bag. Right. Only. So you could be running 160Ks and they only have one drop back. So it'll be interesting to see how those events will ma- manage COVID. As yeah. in, lots of people run a checkpoint because it's, um, yeah, so I, I can see big kind of warning signs with that. But it's, um, as an athlete for me, it, look, when you go over to Europe and say if, um, when you go over to Europe, you've got your support crew there. If you have your drop bag sitting there ready to go, so what I do for my crew is I have all my checkpoints already bagged up, ready to go with all my food in there. So all my support crew has to do is rock up, hand me my bag. I just, they're just handing me a bag. They're not doing anything. I don't trust anybody with my stuff. Yeah. And so that means that they can't stuff it up. So, you know, when you do go to Europe, you might still need a support crew there, but teaching yourself how to manage your own food and to measure it out exactly the amount that you need, exactly the amount of hydration you need, exactly the amount of calories you need means that you're not going to get caught short Mm. and you're not going to carry too much. Yeah. Especially when you're carrying potentially five kilos a kit already. So Mm. it becomes really important that you, that you know exactly how much to carry. 
And also to do that, to do that, you've had to think through that whole race. So you've almost used that, uh, you visualized it kind of, you've gone, this is where I'm going to be at this point. This is what I'm going to need to have. Even I think doing that as a practice really helps as well. Oh, and and that's exactly right. So what I would do is I would, um, not only am I looking at the distance alone, I'm also looking at the profile of the event and then going, okay, so that is about this much of a climb. Therefore I'll be doing, you know, 12, 20 Ks an hour, you know, 20 Ks, 20 minutes for for one kilometre, you know, if need be, like that climb is huge. Um, Yeah. Yeah, because sometimes they just are. They're, they're massive climbs. And so you have to go, okay, what am I going to eat there? How much do I need to eat? And, mm. um, and then, therefore, I need to give that to my checkpoint. Other, my, my support crew will have it in my checkpoint bag. Otherwise, you get to the checkpoint and you're spending half an hour there. You, you don't even have the brain capacity to think, no. uh, you know, when you're there. Like you're stopped. You, you, all you can do is eat, run. Maybe pee if you can yeah. pee. <laughs> Some events I've gone without peeing the whole way, and it's been wow. the best event. Yeah. So, yeah, but but definitely being planning ahead and managing it is um is key. I think because I have been so organised in my events, and obviously if you if you've been ranked, you know, that highly in the world, you've been out of plan. You know, I've been up and self-coach, self-managed the whole time as well. And so it means that, you know, when I'm putting on an event like Brisbane Trail Ultra, it means that I can think about, you know, exactly what the athlete is going to need at that given time and make sure that, you know, we have um, made um, definitely uh, we've accommodated them for it and, and, yeah. and I think that's the reason why like Brisbane Trial Ultra was my first ever event that I put on mm. that's it and I'm four events in one and it's 100 mile 30k 60k 110 100 mile and a Red Bull climb and so it's pretty ballsy to go out and and to do that but you know because you know I've taken those skills that I've had from racing all over the world sight unseen you know being able to plan ahead and taking it across and going okay well this is how I will manage this event and, mm. and it seems to have worked <laughs> oh, it, sounds, it sounds like it's definitely working it's a big achievement that's that's so good yeah yeah. We've, um, I'm lucky I have a business partner too and she's also, um, so Cora Lau also helps me out and um, she's also very analytical with her thinking. Mm. Um, she's, uh, yeah, she's, she's got a very dif- different background to me so um, we, we make a very good team, um, good. the two of us together. Um, I, I'm a very probably, I've learned from a lot of my practical experience whereas um she's probably a bit more university trained than me <laughs> yeah yeah great yeah yeah you, def- you need those well. people for sure good yeah, that sounds like a good team because they're, they're like they're the people who um who definitely are able to i guess think about you know potential you know issues that could arise yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So where can people, so we mentioned before that you are, you're a trainer, you're training people at the moment. If people are listening to this and they go, I really want to get into this. I want to start running or maybe I need to walk before I run. Um, where can people find you? Where's, where's the best place? Um, yeah. So you can look on ultra training Australia or outdoor PT Brisbane, um, or just my Facebook page. You can probably just type in Shona Stevenson and, um, yeah, 
direct message me and take it from there. Um, pretty approachable. How yeah. do we? How do we? Was it? How do we? I think was, I. I think I emailed you. I think. Emailed me. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'm all over Google. <laughs> <laughs> but That's I find funny. direct messaging sometimes just works just as good nowadays as well. It, hey? it does. Yeah. And then like when it gets to be more formal and we start talking about, you know, you know, places and times and email me, it's otherwise it can get lost in the system. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't, you don't, um, I guess Facebook's so nice because, um, you can get a, um, a nice understanding of who that person is before you meet them which is yeah yeah, it's a bit more personal um i guess that's the nice thing about facebook um but yeah just have a look on my websites or google shona stevenson um and hopefully good things turn up on google (laughs) i'm sure they will how bad can they be (laughs) maybe don't answer that (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure it's all fine yeah. Yeah. Well, thank thank you so much for chatting. This is I have learned so much. Uh, it's been oh, awesome. Yeah, you're welcome, and thank you for um, yeah, thank you for inviting me on, and um, thank you for your patience with me. I was a little bit late today, <laughs> so oh, I just good. got I actually got caught out in the bush um, with with a with a new client who was a little bit lost beforehand, and it was you know one of those Google Map things. Here, meet yeah. me at this pinpoint in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. See how that goes. Totally fine. No worries at all. But yeah, it's been so good. I'm definitely going to listen back to this and take some of those tips to uh, really, I want to try and get into running. I reckon it's been one of those things I've wanted to do for a while, but I think I just need to start slow. And uh, there's a few, there's like a few trails around where I am that don't have any elevation, like around a quarry and stuff. So I've been, I've seen people running in and out of that and I've always gone, I'm going to give that a go. So See how we go. No, just near. I'm just in Winter West, so it's just a little. Um, it's just a little. Uh, what you like? Not a national park, but a reserve. Yeah, yeah just off Winter Road there, kind of in um, yeah, cool. Kingalpa sort of area. Yeah, and I don't think it's very big, but I've. I think it, it's a. It's a trail. It's not running on concrete. Winter West. Yeah. Yeah, I can't, I'm trying to think what it's a quarry. So, be a, when I'm west, you know, I just Google map it. No. So, it's right near Chemist Warehouse oh, on yeah. um, yeah. Winham Road. Winham West. Is it? Um, there's a big green patch here. So, that's probably what it is. What's it called, a quarry? Um, it's near the cemetery. Apparently, there's an old quarry in there. So I've never mm-hmm. been in there. It might be might be nothing, but there's a few tracks around there. Apparently, you can see a golf course. This Sandy Camp Row Reserve Wetlands. There's a report hero. If you there's type in. Hatch. Kila Ki Ki on a road uh, wetland. Oh yeah, it might be that because that's the road I live on. So kind of a road. Oh. We're just I'm just around that area in there. Yeah, um, it's right next to Hemant Cemetery. Yeah, it's a big Hemant Cemetery. I'm looking on um, Google Hemant Hemant. Hemant. 
I'm not. I'm from Sydney, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, you've, you've done well to find all those places for the run, the event that you put on then, because I yeah, don't even know half of those I'm, places. I'm really, oh, yeah, yeah, cool, I got you. Hemet Quarry Reserve, cool. Yeah, something in there. I'll go and Hemet, check it out. Yeah, go in. Looks good. There's enough land out here. So usually there's a quarry. would normally mean that there's a climb. Mm. I can see that there's like a little reservoir at the bottom, isn't there? Yeah, I know and, people go in there and go swimming and stuff i don't know if i'm, oh, not, I'm wow. so cool. we'll see what happens um but yeah Looks should like be fun. You can do a hill repeat from winham road so then i can see a bit of a track going down you in other words i'm just looking looking there's a few tracks through here yeah i yeah. can see yeah cool <laughs> This is what I did with a bloke this morning. <laughs> I just looked on Google Earth, like Google Maps and just said, oh, yeah, well, I'll meet you here. I can see this. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of fun, I guess, to explore and stuff as well, isn't it, in a way? Yeah. Find yeah. what's out there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, so I'll, hopefully I go all right. I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, if you get lost. You can Strava. If you go on Strava, they can. If you do the Strava Summit, they can do like a beacon thing. Okay. And you can send like a distress signal, but you're yeah. not going to get distress signal in there. You're going to be fine. Nah. Do you have a dog or do you have a dog? Nah, nah, I don't. Nah. If you get a dog. If you get yeah. a dog, you feel safe. And they, to be honest with you, I reckon my my Kelpie she effectively finds all the trails, so she runs along ahead of me. And I can see her. She's like, I'll go this way. And so I go, yeah. Because you can probably way? smell people have gone through there yeah. and other dogs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, can, she can smell it. And so I just watch her and go, oh, okay, we'll do that. We found an awesome trail at Clear Mountain. It's just, just like this, like seriously straight up like that. And this bloke, he would have been like 130 kilos. <laughs> and I got him down the other side. I was surprised he didn't go tits up. It was so funny. He did yeah. really well. I was very impressed with him, but he's doing run like a pinto. So I've got to take, I've got to take him out there. I suppose he's going to die if he goes yeah. to Northern Territory. Yeah, got to get the training for it. I'm sure. do it. Yeah. 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 Crack up. Well, lovely chatting, and I'll, yeah. I'll go and shower. Thank you for your patience with me, and and yeah, thanks for um Friday. We um we had just like a killer day. It was an awesome day. Um, some really cool things are happening business wise. So cool. hopefully we can let you in on it soon enough, and yeah. it could be a really cool story the minute i know um definitely let me know yeah awesome awesome thank you so much so great to meet you and have a great day yeah yeah and yeah let let me know if you want to go for a run anytime sounds good all righty no worries thank you see ya